Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono, and today my guest is someone whose voice transcends everything. You know her from her work with Happy Mondays, her work with Peter Hook and the Light, Matt Jenkins, as well as her solo material. Please welcome to the show, the undisputed Queen of Manchester, Manchester United supporter, Rowetta. Hello. Welcome, Rowetta. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited as you just heard me very much geek out (laughs) right before we hit record here. Um, There's so much to unpack and I, I can't wait to hear your stories because I know that you have so many. So, but let's just sort of start off with how did your fandom of United come about? Well, actually, it was quite late, more when my son, because I have a son, he's, um, he's in his 30s now. But when I really got into football, was I got into football as a kid, but Liverpool, when in the 70s, when I was growing up, Liverpool were the main team. And a lot of my friends supported Manchester City. So my friends, my best friend's dad, he was friends with a goalkeeper from Manchester City, Joe Corrigan. So my first game was at Main Road watching Manchester City. But um, because they're not a great team at the time, you know, I didn't love I didn't love Manchester City the same way. I thought I, I fancied one of the players. I was like, that. I think it was about 10. Uh, Dennis Stewart scored an overhead kick, um, which won them the League Cup, if I remember rightly, against Southampton, I think. Um, so, um, yeah, so I was about 10, 11, but I loved football and I loved watching it on the television. But um, yeah, Liverpool won everything back then. So um, I didn't enjoy that part of it. But um, so I wasn't a United fan then or a Manchester City fan or anything. I was just, I liked the game. And I used to play the game with the boys because I used to just love hanging around with the boys, which I still do. And um, so I used to kick kick the ball and watch football, but I didn't go to the games unless it was with somebody's dad because I didn't have a dad to take me probably. And I, and I wasn't old enough to go on my own. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really just because I didn't have anyone to take me probably. I never went to United when I was young. And then something happened when Eric Cantona came to Manchester United, um, not even when Sir Alex Ferguson came. But I did, as I said, I've always watched football, but I fell in love with the game definitely when Eric Cantona came because my son, he'd be, his, friend, his friend's dad played for Leeds and that's when Eric Cantona played for Leeds. And so my son was watching Leeds and kept going on about this player, Eric Cantona, who was going to the games. So when Eric Cantona came to United, he asked me, please, mum, can you take me so I can get somebody to take me? He wanted to see Eric Cantona's first game. So I, luckily enough, one of our security guys, he managed to get us tickets. So I went with my son and saw Eric Cantona's first game at Old Trafford. And it just, the, the love story with United came from there. I just loved everything about Old Trafford, the atmosphere, Eric Cantona, Sir Alex Ferguson, all the players back then though. And I think we were spoiled with the class of 92. Um, a lot of the players as well used to come to Hacienda and a lot of the players would come to our gigs. So, you know, I think when some of them are in our video back, that was more like later on though, 99. So a lot of them, you know, they would let on to me and things like that because of Happy Mondays. But it was just a glorious time um, just to watch football, the love of the game. I fell in love with the game, but to go with my son as well. Um, my son used to go with um, other people, like people, you know, Andy Rock from the Smiths. Of course, his, yeah. Yeah, his son used to go with a group of kids. They used to get taken because I was away a lot during the weekends or I'd be touring. 
whether I was in Europe or America, some of the tours could be, could be about six weeks long. So my son would get taken to the games. But honestly, I used to try and watch it every bar that there was they were showing the game, or I would listen to it um, on the radio. I did. I never wanted to go on stage if they were in the middle of the game. I was absolutely obsessed with it, but not in a not in a silly way. Um, just I wanted to watch it. I just loved it. I hated missing a goal. I hated missing the way they played. But um, yeah, it's, uh, Eric Cantona definitely though that it was the way he played, his presence on the pitch, um, and then when I used to listen to Sir Alex Ferguson speaking, that was just another level for me. It's like it was like almost probably as, as like some people would go to church on a Sunday. That was me with Sir Alex Ferguson. Listening to him was like listening to a preacher probably um, talking. And I would I would shout if anybody spoke, if my kids spoke while he was on TV speaking. I wanted to hear every word he said after a game or before a game. Um, but yeah, I think we were very lucky though. My, I always say to my son, you were so lucky at that time to be taken to the games um, and not have to pay for them himself or worry about that. To get the kit, quite often we got the kit free. Uh, so I was, I was trying to say to him how lucky he was compared to some of his friends that he got that opportunity. Um, and I didn't get that opportunity when I was a kid. You know, I didn't have somebody to take me. And um, yeah, and it was during that. He, I just thought it was the best time to be a fan. Other than later on, like 99 was great surrounded that time as well um, with the European Cup and everything. But yeah, I've had some great moments supporting United, though. But Actually, I actually fell in love with him. Where I go to the game on my own, you know, that's that's always when when it was Sir Alex Ferguson. I quite often I didn't say, "Oh, can anybody come?" Um, even if it's a friend, I'd go and I'm um, in my time off or or um, a cup game in the week midweek. A lot of people don't go midweek. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't for against Reading in the cup. You know, it's not they're not they're not as popular obviously as the other games, but um, I, I just used to go all the time when I could. I still go to Old Trafford a lot, but even when it's not game on, I just, I don't live that far away. So I like, I take my dog for a walk and we walk outside. And when then there's, there's a special day or Memorial or anything like that, obviously Munich and everything, but I always, you know, I like to go there. It's a special, special place for me. But as I say, I got into it old really compared to some people, but that's just because I didn't have a parent to take me. That's a beautiful connection, though, that it was through your son and you got to enjoy this through him and with him, especially, as you said, you were traveling around the world, working. There was still at least, aside from the common denominator of you being mom and him being your child, but there was the idea that, you know, it was football that was bringing you both together. You know, and Eric was such a a polarizing figure. If he was on your team, you absolutely loved him. If he wasn't on your team, you absolutely hated the man. So, you know, we've seen him now develop into this interesting post-career in football where most people become pundits. They become, in David Beckham's case, becomes the owner of a team. Uh, They become managers. They do something football adjacent. He now is acting. And is, as we all saw at the, um, I think it was a Ballon d'Or ceremony or maybe some sort of FIFA award show. He's clearly a poet now um, doing something, you know, he was very poetic on the field, but now he's doing something, you know, pontificating in other ways. When you look at his career now and see where he's developed and changed, do you think that, you know, he... And you're and you're in the music world. Do you think that he was the ultimate punk rocker when it came to football? Absolutely. Like George Best was also actually back in the day. Um, and there was there's very few that are like that. And I'm I I believe I wasn't brought up 
from a family of punks or anything, but I, I became a punk and that's why I joined Happy Mondays. Um, I wasn't like a lot of my friends. It's that rebellion and the um, just you different and, and you embrace the difference in you. And um, so it really appealed to me. I love exactly it's exactly that. He was a punk. I mean, we just went to the premiere of his film uh, last year and I was sat next to Mark Hughes when watching it. And it was supposed to come and I was I've not met Eric Hansner and then um, I've met everybody else, I think. And it's just mad that I haven't because he's the one that I've met David Bowie. And I think it'd be that moment. I think I'd have that same at Glastonbury. I met him. So I think I'd have that same where I've met lots of people, but I've never gone. Oh, my goodness. I can't speak. But I think Eric Hansner would do that for me. So anyway, the producer of the film, because there's a little bit of Bez was in the film. They showed a clip of him doing something. So we were invited to be guests and Bez said, oh, I'm doing this. And um, I was going to be on this in the scene with Bez and Eric, but Eric was stuck in Portugal. So we ended up going to the premiere. So every time I'm about to meet him, he's not been there. But, oh, um, I, I sure hope it happens. It has to happen. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I want it to, because I, I felt so terrible, right, really awkward with um, David Bowie. I mean, because I've been in the same room as him. I've just not met him. It's the same with Sir Alex Ferguson. I've sung in a room where he's been there, but I've not met him because I was too scared to go over and it's stupid because I sing. I've sung at Old Trafford quite a bit and uh, for the sponsors of United and things like that. So I've been very lucky to do that and, and to sing at the players, a lot of the players things, but. Yeah, Players Player of the Year awards and things like that. But I've not actually met Sir Alex or, or Eric Cantona. But yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing because sometimes it's not about not meeting your heroes. I know Eric wouldn't disappoint, but um, I think I would just freeze. I really do think I'd freeze. And I'm a chatterbox. I speak a lot. I don't know I'm have a problem um, freeze, but I think I would with Eric Cantona because it meant so much. I can't even tell you. Um, that's like now. When I go to a game now and we lose, it's not the end of the world. I move on. Or if it's not even, it's not the end of the world. I can move on. Football isn't my life. But back then, I used to be devastated when I've been to a game. When in back in, the, I think it was that era though as well, where we were just winning lots and lots of things. And for a long time, we didn't lose when I used to go. And the, the first time we lost, I thought, oh, it's because I wasn't there and I must never miss a game again when I'm at home. Um, but then when we did, I think it was to Swansea or when we lost, the first time I saw us lose and I had to drive home. And it's the walk back to my car and the drive home is just, it's horrible from Old Trafford. It's, um, you just go through all these, it's a real roller coaster of emotions and it's, you know, it's it's horrible. I, I mean, United used to do this to us all the time. It's pro they're a proper team that would just save it in, in the last couple of minutes. So many times they used to do that. But we always thought they're going to win in the last five minutes. They're going to win with the last goal in the 90th minute because that's the sort of team we were or definitely in the second half. And exciting as it is, it's really not good if you've got a dodgy heart because it was, you really, oof, oh, couldn't breathe. And it's like, why do they do this to us? I mean, City don't do that to the City fans now. They just win a lot. And it's really annoying. Well, <laughs> they have like, I, well, Right. There, there's so much to unpack. I, I, I need to deviate at one point. We need to talk about David Bowie for a hot second, but we'll get to that in a minute. But with City, it's interesting now is that they don't do that now because they have a war chest of cash and, you know, and Pep Guardiola. I, mean, I, never, I never watched City and City fans always still watch United and always did. They always used to ring me if we'd lose. They always would ring me. You know, the Derby game was everything to them. And it's like, I'm not the same. We've had all that success. But also I've, I've sort of grown out of it because we've not done anything since Sir Alex left. We've not done the right things with the managers. And, I, you know, I used to go and support the team a lot with David Moyes. And that's when I was go still going on my own. And then I was losing my love for the game. And it was it was 
horrible, you know, and, and I was losing love for the game when I was invited to go to Players Player of the Year a lot. There was that was there one year with um Van Hall, what about that? Van Hall, I don't know how you pronounce his name. I'm not interested how you pronounce his name. You know, and he, he made this speech and he seemed quite drunk. And De Gea was footballer of the year. You know, it was that, it was just rubbish. And I was embarrassed. And then Mourinho came, who I'd wanted to, I wanted him to succeed, Sir Alex, but he came too late, in my opinion. You know, when he came, it was too late for him it to work with him. Um, but I, I thought he would be, would have been a great successor, but it wasn't to be. But I remember singing at um, an event with um, Heather Small from um, M People and we were singing for the sponsors at this thing. And I remember at that one, all the backroom people had all been changed. Moyes got rid of a lot of people who'd been there for years. And so it was just the most unhappy place to be amongst the players and the you know, I mean, the old players, the people who were invited to go and do this thing. And I've sung for the sponsors before and it's been a really happy place. And this one, it wasn't. Um, the time before I'd had Sir Bobby Charlton, there was a legend at each table for the sponsors and each the legend would come up as I was singing, this is the one, the Stone Roses song. And I presume Ian Brown had said he wouldn't do it because they asked me, would I do it? And then they did. Uh, there was a film with Sir Matt Busby and the story of Sir Matt Busby and I was singing Stop Crying Your Heart Out, an Oasis song. Yep. And so it was all like, this really surreal for me. But to sing at the end of it, to be singing, this is the one. And there was Andy Cole came up, Dennis Violet, who's some old guy, Paddy Crerand, who I know really well. And you've got all these seven people and we're all on the stage Brian Robson of course and um, yeah just a great night and dancing with them afterwards but then the next time I did this there was there was no happy there was nobody was happy all the old players were, were mumbling to each other they weren't happy and they were trying not to say anything because they didn't want it to get out obviously but um, somebody told me the reason why we've got David Moyes and you know I'm not going to say because they told me privately because, but they were all really not happy wow. and um, yeah, David Moyes wasn't right for United. And I hope West Ham win nothing with him. Because <laughs> I'm bitter like that. <laughs> um, it, you know what's interesting to me is, is that you, know, you mentioned all the managers that they had. Mm. And obviously it's, it's the poster Alex world. But how much of the situation is really on the managers? And how much does it really come down to the players? Because it seems as if... United has just tried to just put like patches on leaky pipes that are flooding at this point by getting expensive players thinking that yeah. this is going to do really well. Like Ramadel Falcao is not going to do well in the Premier League, but let's give him a ton of money. Yeah. Let, you know, let's get Angel Di Maria and let, you know, Lukaku should have done well, but he didn't. Um, and now they bring back Ronaldo, which has been up and down. Yeah. It's, so really, like at the end of the day, like how much of it do you think comes down to buying the wrong players or just not having a unified team? Because you hear reports now that these guys just don't get along. Yeah, well, it's different now. We've had years of not winning things and we've had years of not having a manager that's been right for us. Um, but when it started, I think we had an opportunity um, because we, I didn't think we had the best team when Sir Alex went, but we still won the league. And that happened, you know, and I remember celebrating that year in, in Albert Square in Manchester. And it's like, we all knew that wasn't a great team. So it was, it was everything for the new manager to do. But um, David Moyes just wasn't the right one. You know, he didn't bring in great players. And the players that were there didn't seem to, it just didn't connect. You know, it's the same with Ollie. Ollie, it seems to connect a lot better with the players for a time. 
but it just something wasn't right. You know, and we, we, we don't know what it is. People can blame the Glazers. People can blame the managers. People can blame the players. But we're not managers and we don't know. We're just fans. And all we've got to do is back the, back the manager, back the players. And that's what we do. And um, you can moan about this one's not playing right. I think Di Maria, I, I had so much hope for him. I remember he had so much. He's going to be amazing. He's going to I'm going to love him like I love Cancer, isn't it? You know, which I've, I've done. I've done with Zlatan. I did the same. I love Zlatan. Zlatan it was like that was like that was like the second coming for me of Cantona that was as close as I'm going to get you know Ronaldo has always been amazing but he doesn't do that thing for me that Cantona does the minute he walks on the pitch and, and yeah I do love everything about Ronaldo you but, might um, be the first you might be the first person on planet earth to ever say that about Cristiano Ronaldo I would say it to him to, it, to his face and say God he's amazing no because he is amazing I was so happy when he, that he came back I wish he'd come back earlier but I'm just saying as a, as a fan yeah, when I'm in Old Trafford um, I just couldn't take my eyes off. I always, there was something more than just, is he going to score a goal with Cantona? Uh, it's the magic. I mean, Fernandez is doing the assists he's doing at the minute. That's like one of the saving graces with United for me. And one of the reasons I watch still Cavani, I do like, so we've got glimpses of greatness, but there's no consistency and there hasn't been since Sir Alex left. There's been no consistency. And that's um, the problem. And, and we don't know why. Team players should do better. I don't know. Pogba's sometimes brilliant, sometimes not. But you know, that's um, I don't know what they, you know. If we knew the answer, then we could manage United. But I think the, the play there's no reason to say we haven't. We've got a great squad now, and we're still we're getting beaten by teams that shouldn't up drawing against teams that we shouldn't be. You know, the other night, other day against Watford, no goals in it. We just don't look like a great team. But we haven't got a proper manager yet. I don't know. You know, again when he came. Ragnick, I can't say people's names. Usually, usually though, by the time I learn someone's name, they go. So <laughs> I've not learned his name probably yet. So he's, still- a, he's a very interesting person because there was a point, I'm a huge AC Milan fan. And when there was a point where Milan were interested in getting him and they signed Zlatan again, it was Yay. early 2020. Yeah. Bring so him back. They brought him back in early 2020 and Ragnick was was sort of on their radar and the rumor was that he only wants young players and he said he's like oh well you sign Ibrahimovic but I don't know if I'm going to play him this was the rumor that had come out I there's no confirmation on this so anyone listening with the pitchforks out there chill out like this is just the allegations that have come out um the club of course has never confirmed this but they they sort of looked and made a decision where do we keep do we bring the player in do we, do we keep the player who means a lot to the history of this team but we know will motivate the younger guys or do we scorch the earth and take this guy who we don't know if he'll even do well in Italy because Italy like the like England is a very interesting place to manage it's it's more cultural than it is footballing philosophy and yeah. or, or if it they go hand in hand but you really got to know the league and they decided to go with Ibrahimovic and it's paid off and it's, and it is paying off. And I, I want to see, and I know Ibra will play until his legs fall off. I wanted him to stay with United. I was absolutely gutted that he left because that's exactly like you're saying. I mean, because Cantona left too early in my opinion, but if you don't if you fall out of love with football, you've got to go, I suppose. And he obviously did, but um to me, he could still, he's got something where he, it's, and it's also, it's the influence on the other players. Mm-hmm. But um, I really miss Ibrahim. I can't say his name, say his Latin. You know, what do you think that Manchester United is still appealing for a manager to go to, or do you think that they just need to scrap, 
again, scorch the earth and start from scratch. And just even if they are sort of a mid-table club or bottom-of-the-table club that's not flirting with regulation, but not too far off of it, like 15th, 16th place. You know, I know that's not what United stands for and what United is. Always have to be top four at the least, and we need to be winning things. Otherwise, they are a failure and they've got to go as a manager. But it, but the, the thing with, with managers, they might if they think they can come probably if we're in Champions League to appeal to the top managers we need to be in Champions League uh, but Zidane didn't want to come and I think he'd have been great mm-hmm. but he didn't want to come I don't think he wanted to live or his family didn't want to live in England so that's um, a thing to think about but I, if somebody doesn't want to come then we don't want them it's as simple as that if they don't want to come to United and don't get it no because it's it's a challenge though because how do you how do you do it we've got such great history if you don't win Champions League, if you don't win the league, if you don't yeah. win everything, then you're not, probably not going to stay at United. So it's it's somebody like Pep, if he had to come along, and somebody said that there is still a chance. Some, I, I was speaking to Brian McClare the other day, and he said, don't write it off. It's a possibility. Pep could come to United. But I think United need somebody like Pep. Obviously, we could have done with him before, and then I think our story would be completely different. So we need to attract those massive managers. I don't know what it is that attracts people apart from money, but if you're a really brilliant manager, you probably don't need to come to United. But do they want the challenge? Mourinho came, he wanted the challenge, and it didn't work out. And then you have to go. Um, But I don't think, you know, will we get Potticino? You know, something like that, maybe we might, that might work. Maybe we should have got him um, a while ago when we didn't get him, we had a chance. So I don't know. I'm really not good at choosing who should be our manager, but I do think Mourinho should have come straight after Sir Alex, not Moyes. And then I think it might have been a different story, but we should have got Pep. And I wish Zidane had wanted to come to United instead of what we've got now, which is a temporary manager. Um, You know, I mean, I saw Chelsea, they went and won the the Champions League when they got rid of Frank Lampard. So I thought, is this going to happen for us? But we've not gotten a new... You know, it could have happened as well with us. It happened to them. But we, I thought, if we get Zidane, then that's what I thought. You never know, straight after Ole. But, you know, it's not to be. I think this temporary management thing, the players know that as well. I don't think that's going to work. You know, they don't have to form a strong bond with anyone. But um, it's what Ilanga's doing really well. You know, we've got new players that are doing well. And so I just think if we just, it's just, we know we're not good enough. We think we get all excited over one game and yeah, we're back. And then we're rubbish again, you know, and, but, you know, we could still win Champions League. All right. What's we could, like- we could still win Champions League uh, because we've got Ronaldo who could, I know. And unfortunately that is what it's come to though. With Ronaldo, we might end up winning it with an assist from Fernandez. You know, that's how it is. Cause we've got a good goalkeeper and but, in reality, we haven't got a great team. We're not the best team in Europe. And we are the greatest club in the world, but we're not the greatest team at the moment. It is interesting, though, because it is such an interesting dynamic watching it as a neutral. Because I don't, I'm not a Manchester City or United supporter, but as a neutral, and I just watching it from afar, it's as soon as United dropped off, City picked up and has been going strong. and um, what's it like for you now to see the noisy neighbors, yeah. you know, getting the acclaim that, you know, when people now there's a generation of kids, when they hear Manchester, they equate it with blue instead of red. It's terrible. That part, because I'm, I used, when we used to travel the world, for instance, if we went to Japan, Fuji rock festival, we played maybe 1990 and 99 
And it was always when you said, where are you from? Manchester. They would only say United. That's it. United? Yes, that was it. And then when we went later on, and last time I went to Japan, it was City or United. And there was something on one of the buildings, Manchester City thing, you know, and in Japan. And it's like a lot of our sponsors are Japanese. I know that I've sung for them, but they've probably gone over to City now. It's just it's it's horrible. But and don't let any City fans hear me say this. I'm I'm quite happy for a lot of my older friends that have supported the team and gone to those games and away matches um, in the winter you know, and supported City. I'm pleased for them, really, because I've seen the struggle. Like the friend that I went to my first game with all those years ago in the 70s, she stuck with City all her life, you know, and done everything to try and get her son to play for City, which hardly ever happens in Manchester. If you're from Manchester, you're more likely to play for United than City. They're not very loyal oh, Manchester wow. City. Yes, that's true. We have a fantastic Bobby Charlton School and lots of things for United kids to go to. That's why we had a class of 92. A lot of them kids are from Manchester, where City, well, they, they just don't. Yeah, most Mancunians, unless you're a girl, you're not going to probably play for Manchester City. Interesting. You know, yeah, fact, fact. fact. I mean, it's, it's just my way of saying, though, that we're better for Manchester. <laughs> little dig right there. It's true. Um, when, last season, when I had. Uh, our friend Peter Hook on, you know, I told him like, I felt like I've, I've never been to Manchester and I know it's bad and I need to come. Um, but the impact that that's. Yes, we've had, all been to New York. We've all I been know, I know, I know. I, I got to return the favor now. We should all go to dinner. But what, for me, what's interesting is, is that I feel like I've walked around the streets of that city through the music that I've listened, that has yeah. come out of there. And of course, feel like I've seen every part of it thanks to the aerial shots when I watch the games. Yeah. How wonderful is it to come from a city where the two things that British culture has, two of the greatest exports, music and football, and you're sort of at ground zero for it. You know, what's that like for you? Because the interesting thing about all Mancunians is that whether you're talking about the Gallagher brothers or whether you're talking to you, it's you may support different teams, but everybody loves that city. Unless yeah. you're Morrissey, maybe he doesn't love it that much. But um, but everybody that's from there loves. I don't think Morrissey's time. really from Manchester. <laughs> okay, well there we go. <laughs> I'm joking. No, it's. Do you know what? A lot of people don't who from Manchester don't really love Manchester now. They don't love it. It's, I mean, I love it. I'm still here. There's a lot of people that don't live here anymore. They don't live in Manchester anymore. They love it so much. But I've not left. My family are here. And I love it. And it's full of people who aren't from Manchester as well. We have wow. the BBC here now. So it's and it's changed. It's not. I like real Mancunians, to be honest. I like the sarcasm the humour is the best. The music, everything, the history we've got, I love. But um, it is very much, you know, it could be London now sometimes when you go out in Manchester. It's not the same as it used to be. But um, I'm still very, very proud of it. And, you know, I, I don't live far from the airport, so I'm not here a lot. <laughs> But I love it. But um, no, but I love it. And I, but I wouldn't leave. Um, and my mum's here, and my son is here, and my daughter lives in London. But um, yeah, no, I do love it. And Pete Hawke's not from Manchester, as he always says. He's from Salford. Salford yeah, from Salford. I'm from Manchester. I'm definitely from Manchester. Tony Wilson's from Manchester. Um, so um, yeah, it's just. But I'm very, very pr a proud Mancunian. But yeah, I think it's the humour and. I think, um, I know the thing, well, Huey Morgan is playing, I'm going to see him actually on Saturdays playing. Yeah, but we've got the similar types of humour as Brook, people from Brooklyn have a very similar type of humour to Manchester. And so we've always got on, got along with people from Brooklyn. And it is different than the rest, I think, of 
say New York or the rest of the UK. Mm. Um, in that respect, we've discussed this myself and you in the past. There's something, you know, and, and we walk around like we know or we think we are a bit better than everybody else, even though we're not. But it's that cocky thing where because there's uh, certainly in Manchester, there's a lot of people, black people, a lot of black people haven't made it. Um, it's a lot of women who haven't made it. You know, I am the Queen of Manchester because there aren't that many girls that make it. You know, it's, so that's why they call me the Queen of Manchester. It's only because a lot of girls you've not heard of. There's loads of talent here that are female. There's loads of talent that's black. But as I said, they're not as well known as maybe the white boys. So that's and un- un- you know, it's not very. It's not. It's the one thing I'm not keen on. But there's nothing you can do. You can't change history. You can't pe- make people push themselves or meet the right people or be lucky or. You know, I don't know. It's easier now because of the social media. If you, you know, it's easier to push yourself and get known. But certainly when I was younger, um, there were, you know, it, it's a very, very white male famous people. Look at all the bands that are famous and made it from Manchester. So when you're talking about Manchester music, you are really talking about white male music. Right. You know, and I, luckily, I sung with Happy Mondays and I've sung with Pete Tuck and all this and lots of other people. Um, but yeah, mainly known for, for, um, yeah, the whites. But if you look so deeper, the house music's a big thing and the clubs and things. But as I say, people actually from Manchester, a guy called Gerald did well. But there's people from Manchester, few and far between that make it really big if they're of colour or female. So let's change all that. Yes, like, let's do that. because so I, have, I, have, I made sure I'm known anyway, because that's all you can do. You know, and, and if my, my kids, if they want to play football or sing, then I would have pushed them if they wanted to. But they've not been dead into it. So that's up to them. You know, as a as you said, like you know, all of those bands, they were all all white men. You know, and well, mainly not all, mainly, but mainly, mainly. You know, so, but when you you know in the late eighties, where the Manchester scene was really at its peak, yeah. you know, you you were quite the revolutionary as a black woman. Mm-hmm. You know, even in you know just Happy Mondays, you know, you may not have been the lead singer, but you're still part of this group. You know, did you find yourself to feel like a pioneer or, or did you know that you were breaking a barrier and hoping to? Yeah, but it's only because I was lucky, I think, because I was I was doing well in the house music scene, but it's quite underground. And I'd done a few records like that, but because I wasn't ambitious, I was in a Bastard Wives home just a couple of years before I joined Happy Mondays. I just had to start again from nothing. So my focus wasn't on fame or money or anything like that. It was just enjoying myself. And I, and I But I've always thought of myself as a punk, as I've said. I had this big voice that could have sung any kind of genre, I thought, because I was doing house music. But I wanted to do some kind of punk. And so when I found Happy Mondays, that was just, I realised we could be like T-Rex and what Gloria did. Because, I, I mean, when somebody if somebody ever dares to call me a backing singer, I just say, you might as well call me a blacking singer. What I do isn't backing singer. I very rarely sing backing vocals. Right. Todd, Terry did, Todd Terry did some backing vocals for one of the tunes I've done with him, but he's not a backing singer. Right. He just did some backing singing for one of our tunes that we did. So I'd be hanging around with the Mondays in the studio I did some backing singing on some songs, but I'm not a backing singer. And so I just resent it. And because I've fought for that and I sang on, before I sang with the Mondays, I sang with a group called Simply Red and it was on their album, Stars. And I made sure it says additional vocals, never says backing vocals. On Step On, it says guest vocals, Rowetta. But even then I realized it was very important that people knew I'm not a backing singer because they don't call a lot of white girls. The girl from the Scissor Sisters is never called a backing singer. So don't call me one. So over the years, because back then it wasn't that easy to get known. But I love the fact that people, they might have said my name wrong, but they used to say, 
Loretta, Rowetta or the lioness, but they, they didn't just ignore me or just think of me as somebody in the background. Like Bez from our band is not, oh, that dancer in the Mondays, he's Bez, you know, and and in a, and in a way now, you're probably going to know Bez or myself, you'll know our names probably more than you might know one of the, one of the bandmates because they don't do much... Uh, press or going out the same way we do or partying um but I'm yeah I think it's great and it's like when I when I'd go with we've, we've played with Oasis obviously we did we, we toured with them but whenever I go in a room and this big Manchester musicians they all know who I am they come over and hug me they say and that's fantastic you know I mean I have been doing it for a lot of years but it's still there are a lot of singers and male as well from Manchester who I'd walk in a room and we wouldn't know who they are from back then, you know? So I think, you know, I've done well. We are still going though, which is fantastic, you know, and we're probably going to be touring. I don't know if we're going to come to America yet because we've not done that for a while. It might be difficult with the visas things and stuff, but we've, um, yeah, we're touring probably Australia and New Zealand again and doing our own tour here and all the festivals coming up. I think we're doing Glastonbury again. So it's, it's great though. And people will go Rowetta when I come on stage. That's fantastic. Um, and since then, I've, I've, I've done a lot of music with other people. Um, Oliver Heldens, who's huge around the world, and Salado, and lots of people within the dance industry. Um, and it's, again, though, making sure I'm not just the voice on a record, because right. I've been sampled a lot, making sure I'm known and not that unknown woman, another unknown woman from Manchester, um, another unknown woman of colour, because I want to inspire young little black girls. You can be known and sing, especially now that you can, I record myself at home. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to rely on any producers. And during lockdown, I learned to do it better. And that's what we all should have done. Learn to do whatever you do. Learn your craft. If you're an artist, you should have painted more or whatever. But yeah, and I just, I did. I learned it to record myself well and um, get my dogs to sit in the other room and not make a noise while I'm recording. But just make sure that um, that I work really hard at being the best I can be and um, being, yeah, being treating people um, like really nice people, fans who buy our stuff, take interest in us, giving them time and not just blanking them and only coming online when we've got something to sell. I hate all that. I've actually, you know, I, I embrace the people that, you know, they come out to our gigs, make sure that they're listened to. And they want us to do a song that we don't do anymore. Make sure at least you reply and say, I'll try and get Sean to sing that one. He might not want to do it, but we can try. But it's just when, you know, I think a lot of people are just blanked and, and there's a great opportunity now to, you know, be as good as you can be and, and 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 have people just appreciate you even more. But you've got to give something back, and a lot of people forget to give something back. Same with the footballers, whether it's football or music, you've got to give something back and appreciate your fans, or you don't deserve to have any. You don't deserve, you know, to have any. I love that because you know I read a quote recently from the great Alessandro Del Piero, and I say that as Alessandro Del Piero, the Italian national team player, not the Juventus player. <laughs> but, uh, you know, obviously the Juve icon. Yeah, yeah, I wish. Um, but, you know, obviously the Juve icon. But he had said something recently, or I read something recently, that he's like, for you, meaning as a player, it's one second of your day. For that fan, it's a lifetime. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. You know, when I spoke to Hookie, he talked about how you know, he's obviously neighbors with many of the players past and present, but he would see so many of them around town and they were embedded in the community. 
What was that like for you? Did that happen to you as well? And do you see that happening now? Or is it just, again, like this is their job. They've relocated a, the city or the greater Manchester area for work. And then once their contract's up, they're out of here. Like they don't really care about the city. Or is that incorrect to think like that, that they do care, but just not as much as they did in the past? Well, it's, it's people like Eric Cantona who you would think he was born in Manchester sometime, you know, because, you know, because he really does come back and he does care about Manchester. He actually genuinely loves the club. Ronaldo must do. He really enjoys living in Cheshire, you know, and that's where I live. It's just, we see, I actually see more, more City players around than I do uh, United players where I am. I don't live far from Roy Keane, but there's a lot of, um, yeah, there's a lot of City players live near me at the Italian restaurants. They, they are they mainly it's city players and they're really friendly and lovely and um yeah but i've lived in the same house for 30 years and it is out about half an hour away from manchester it's and and you just used to seeing people that you know and there's a way though that the when they want to be seen then they have the head up they don't wear a hat or or they wear the hat that everybody knows them for <laughs> and it's the same with me when i don't know i'm walking my dog in the morning i've usually got a bubble hat on my head's down i could be anybody they'll still find you if they're big fans they'll still see you and they'll ask for a selfie now which you never used to be able to do we want a picture please have a picture and you say yes yeah, sometimes i'm picking up my dog poo i don't really want a picture but <laughs> you know i wouldn't dream of going up to somebody because it happens to me so i wouldn't go and say can i have a picture unless i'm out on a night out but when i'm walking down the street i would never say it but people don't have a problem with saying can we have a picture or waking you up if you're on a train um and it's a bit of a pain now because they have too much access to everybody and i always say i'm not beyonce you know i i don't want to be called a backing singer but i'm not beyonce but i'm you know i'm i'm a singer that's done well and and we we do perform massive gigs still as the same i think we're doing glastonbury we're doing the isle of wight festival but um, I've not changed. I'm still the same person, but I am a person, you know, and I have a private life and um, I don't do all the magazines. I never have done, never always chosen not to do too many reality TV shows. And all this. I think Sean and Bez are doing a lot of them now, but the minute you do that, then it's, it, you know, you've got to be careful then to say, I want my private life. It might right. be. Too. But well, I, you're I, smart and calculated. You did cover Mundial, which I'm really appreciative for. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's about, it's, but it's about football as well. I do like speaking about football, but I, I used to like speaking about football more than I do now, obviously. I used to work for BBC and do the Red Wednesday, it was called, on BBC Radio Manchester, every Wednesday. And I would be buzzing. And that wasn't when Sir Alex was there, but I still had hope back then. This was when under David Moyes, and it, the reason I got the job was because I did a passionate speech, because I was hard broken I was in tears and I'm not like that now I don't let it get to me that much but I really was um yeah I, was, I just thought what's, what's happening to our team and I was walking around Manchester with my head down and City City fans laughing about it and and I hated all this stuff they would text me and say basically na 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 because we've lost Aww. you know I never did that you know when we we're winning everything so it's just started to pee me off and I was saying I'm going to stop being friends with these people you know if, if football's all you've got you know then because it's certainly not what I've got but it, it's not the game that would would um, put me on a downer for the day it would be their text messages the fact that somebody wants to try and ruin your day I just hate all that it's once the game's over it's over for me you know, and then we look at the tables, we see where we are, what can we do now? And, you know, and you reevaluate. But we were having a terrible, yeah, Van Harler couldn't stand his post-match speeches. That's the sort of thing. It would put you on a downer for the day because it was terrible. Or sometimes before he's telling us too much about the players and arguments and things like that. Uh, Mourinho could be a bit like that as well, which 
it's never going to work with United. Right. Yeah, it is interesting, though, because when... So Alex was there, and not to keep re going back to the glory days, but there seemed to be such a discipline where he was the barrier between the press and the players. Yeah. You never really heard of internal strife, controversies, problems. I'm sure they existed. Well, you did I, occasionally when he threw a shoe at David Beckham. And oh, his, right, of course. Things right. like that. <laughs> right. Things like that. So we did hear, but it was, it was, I thought that was always great, though, because it taught the rest of the players, don't, don't F with Sir right. Alex Clifton. And the fans knew that. And I think it was all good that, the, you know, I think things that slipped out, the, thing, the reason we got to hear about stuff like that, it wasn't, uh, wasn't accidental. I think it was mm. to make sure the players kept in line. If they went on a night out and got pissed and all this and had pictures with girls in a the room, they're not going to play for United the next week. They're not. Right. You know Sir Alex will suspend them himself. You know that. And I think a lot of that discipline's gone and it's, it, you know, it's, it doesn't work. But um, we, people like Ronaldo wouldn't. I don't think they do that. He's a good family man. He's not going to go out and mess it all up. But no, then, there's a rumor now that he's telling. Yeah, there's a rumor now that he even tells the the uh, the, the, the cooking staff like no more sweets. No, I don't yeah. want no cakes. No, just they're so disciplined that kids enjoy a donut. That's what you need. Look, they're on such an amount of money, but it's not just that. If you love the team and you love the fans. Mm -hmm. Should be doing. It's like me going out. Well, I used to sometimes with Bez going out the night before a massive gig. Right. With happy Mondays, you can get away with that. But if I've got a recording with the BBC Philharmonic, I'm much more respectful than I am with Happy Mondays because of the audience, really, and because of the people in. Because I, I sing with the with orchestras quite a lot, but BBC Philharmonic. When it, when if you're honoured enough to sing with them, you should go in with an early night the night before, right. you know, and not full go stinking of alcohol and all that. So, you know, I have a nice early night and do the right thing. And I always sing really well, but I take it very seriously. It's our job though. You know, it's our job. And, but it's to me, the audience is so disrespectful of the fans. If you're a footballer or of the audience, if you don't take it seriously and you are, you know, going to rooms with different girls and mm -hmm. out all night and all this. And Sir Alex, it wasn't the same back then. People didn't because they knew they wouldn't have a job if they kept doing that. They're not going to, you're not going to, and, and they cared. They cared about playing for United because they really are overpaid. And, you know, if you're getting a quarter of a million a week, what are you supposed to spend that on? <laughs> yeah, you know, some people actually are getting that much. That's how silly it is, you know. And it is so silly. It is so silly. It's, it's too much for anybody to do anything with because they've got the, it's, but I don't care about that as long as they play well and win because it's, and, you know, it's as long as as well, I think. Ticket prices, you should make it a little bit more affordable and not make everybody go and buy three shirts every year if it's terrible for the kids, all that. There's no need. You shouldn't pressurise, you know, at least keep them looking similar. It's terrible that a kid has to wear a new shirt every season and then the away kit and then the second away kit. That's all about money and that's what you're paying for with these players, really. I you know, agree. You know, it's I understand that the ticket prices are always going to be expensive and you um, it's all right for me. I sing for my supper. I can sing and get a ticket and sit in a nice box. But um, I actually choose to use I usually sit in Tony Wilson's seat when I go with my friend. Wow. Yeah, because Tony Wilson passed. He used to always go with my friend and then they had four tickets between them and Tony Wilson's kids. If they weren't going, I would go and one of somebody's friends. Uh, but since Tony Wilson's passed, yes. that's fair. Uh, yeah quite often see and it's lovely where he's sat it's where the prawn sandwiches we call it, it was the posh bit but the Stretford end is just there and it's literally just um yeah in between in between so you you're near when somebody's 
like Luke Shaw would often when he was injured, he'd be sat right near me on one side. And then the Stretford and the noisy ones who I love, you hear all the dirty songs. Terrible when we're playing Liverpool. I mean, you start singing along, you're like, what am I singing? Then you realise, no, I'm singing something horrific. It's going to happen to your mum. That's terrible. No, no, it's it's like you don't realise, you don't, you're just singing along as if you know the words. And I don't know the words to every, every football song. But um, yeah, I just... It was it's just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing when we win. It's, it's a beautiful place to sit when we win, and it's uh, agony to sit anywhere near the strip for them when we lose. It's just let me out. <laughs> Tony, Tony Wilson seems to be like the most larger than life character that was never a musician, like more so than Brian Epstein with the Beatles, you know, more so than the Colonel with Elvis. He just seems to be. I mean, for what he's done, and even after all these years, he still gets talked about like he's right here because, you know, in in a spiritual way, he is, you know, when, you know, getting to know Tony as you did, is he as larger than life as, you know, the the legend makes him out to be like 24 hour party people and all that make it out to be. Because I was in that film as well. Yes, you were, of course. Yeah. But Tony was in it as well. He's still alive then. Um, so, but um, he wasn't larger than life. He was quite quite shy actually a lot of the time oh. um, because he was surrounded by all these big characters. But um, I've spent many a night where you sit up talking. We presented um, a thing actually where Ice T and his band played. Oh. It was racism in Heaton Park and anti-racism co- uh, concert. And that's a di- one of my favorite days with Tony because I got to spend the whole day with Tony Wilson from morning till night because we were the hosts. We were just mm-hmm. announcing the acts. And through the day, we were laughing. I think he was, he got off his face a little bit during part of the day because his girlfriend had been cheating on him. And so he's crying at one point. We laughed a lot of the day, every emotion that day. I had a cry about an ex-boyfriend. We talked about things like Cities in the Park that we'd done. We talked about a lot of the things with Factory Records, the Hacienda, all that. And it was just the best day. But at the time, I thought it was this awful day because he seemed to be so sad. But now he's gone. You look back and somebody asked me what the best day with him was or my best memory. And it was that day because we've got all of, I got all of Tony to myself because it actually kicked off. It, the fight started in the park and we had to lock ourselves in this um, porter cabin that we were sharing. And we had to lock ourselves in because there was fighting um, wow. in Heaton Park. Um, but lock, when we locked ourselves in and we were frightened, it was just a fantastic time to hug and say, I love you. And it was just beautiful. But um, it, yeah, he used to sometimes seem to be overwhelmed by the people around him, by all these artists and light, loud people um, around him. But he was um, so intelligent, and but so passionate. And I just love, he loved us so much. He loved the music and everything, but he loved the people so much. It's like, he was like saying, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm not one of them. I'm not a rock star like they are. I'm not um, this. And yet he was in, in a different way. Yeah. You know, um, these times where we all like to sit quietly, a lot of it's just you're on stage. And that's why you like that. And because I've seen him in all states and all different ways, depends, it used to depend who he was with, how comfortable he was and how, how larger than life he would be. Um, but what he did for Manchester was incredible. And it got me, first time I saw him, I used to listen to everything he said. And I remember the first time I saw him, or one of definitely one of the first times where he had this music show, it must've been 77. And he said, this is the greatest band in the world. And it was the Sex Pistols wow. um, on his show. And it was incredible. I was like, oh my God. And that's when I got really interested in supporting punk because I saw him say that. And then many years later, it must've been 1989, he said the same thing about Happy Mondays. This is the greatest band in the world. 
And I believed him again. And um, they did this song performance. And after that, I was like, I've got to go and see this band. And this is a band for me. And it seemed like it was a sign for me because for years I'd been into punk groups like Crass, The Clash, obviously, um, Sex Pistols. But I got into punk after seeing the Sex Pistols on his show. And and then I ended up joining Happy Mondays because I saw them on his show. Wow. So it was, um, yeah, so it's very special to me. I used to have his picture above, above my bed and wake up every morning, but I've, I've moved, I've changed it to my dog who passed away. Because oh. that's the first thing that I see in the morning through my mirror is my dog. But it used to, it used to be Tony, but yeah, and he's now, he's, he's had to move to the left-hand side of the room. I'm, so, sure, I'm sure he's, as long as he's in the still room. Watching, he's still watching, he's still watching. But, um, before we jump into my favorite part of the podcast, which is the three questions, yeah. um, you mentioned meeting David Bowie. I can't let you go without talking about that story because I mean, the thin white Duke, how, how so you said you met him backstage at Glastonbury. What, what happened? What was that like? You know, what was he like? Well, this was Glastonbury 2000 and Happy Mondays had this reputation and for being wild, especially at Glastonbury, we'd uh, got this reputation, uh, laminate, laminating machine and lots of uh, groupies, not groupies, but uh, like, people who just used to follow us with drugs basically <laughs> his reputation for being like that so they put they put david bowie's uh, porter cabin one side of the stage of glastonbury it's the pyramid stage so it's huge and um, we'd already played it in 1990 with headline but he was headlining in 2000 and they put happy monday's porter cabin or, or two porter cabins the other side of the stage so but they put rowetta's because i'm a girl they put mine next to david bowie's so i was like what? So I'm not, because quite often I'm not near the boys. I get the nicer toilet, basically, because I used to be a bit fussy. I still am a bit fussy about my toilets. It happens. You should be. You absolutely yeah, should be. I sang there again in 2017 without the Mondays. And I, they put me next to Radiohead, who were headlining. Because, and we, I was with them at the the Classical opening. But they put my Winnie Bago, because I'm a girl, again. So they put you next to. So the best thing, if you want to have me next to David Bowie or anything, or not anymore, you can't be a girl. So I couldn't believe it. And I brought two, two of my friends along because they were such Bowie fans. And so they couldn't believe it as well because we were in the room and I was like, oh, do you think he'll come out? Do you think he's here yet? Anyway, it just ended up coming out for a walk and watching. He was watching quite a lot of the bands. And obviously, and he looked, I've got pictures that I've taken took of him that Bowie fans always repost, but his hair was immaculate. I think he was, this was 2000, so he was 53 years old, but he looked, his hair was blonde and long yeah. and looked stunning. And it was just the most incredible gig. But he was talking to us as if we were just normal people. Um, so um, what time did you get here? Things like that. Have you played here before? And I was saying, I did in 19, I could, again, I could hardly speak. I did in 1990. <laughs> I mean, Happy Mondays. I, was, I remember saying something about, um, something about him, man. And my, one of, and my friend that was with me, um, he was gay and he was, he was on the phone to his mum saying, no, I'm not, I've not, I've not shagged him yet, he actually said. And I was like, please don't embarrass me to my friends. Um, Bez came along and he, he started chatting to him for a bit. And so it was just surreal. And it was when, this is before camera phones for me for 2000. We had a phone. I got my phone in 1999. But we didn't have a, a camera on it. So I was taking them with just your normal click, click pictures. So I've got these most beautiful photographs and then got ready to get on the stage. On the stage, got this African dress and I'm singing hallelujah. And I come off stage for my one song and he's there watching at the side of the stage. Thank God I didn't know because it would make you really nervous. And it was actually filmed. I think it was filmed for MTV or something like that. It's been on television or BBC. So I come off stage and he says, that was really eclectic. And oh. that's the last time I spoke to him. Um, or he spoke to me. And I just went, 
it's just something really eclectic. I said, what does that mean? That's exactly what I said. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I didn't have Google on my phone then. No, I did say, what, what does it mean? I know what it sounds like it means. So, oh. um, yeah, so, um, but it, it just looks, it's, it's the fact he looked, he looks angelic, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's how how warm he was. And I expected him to be, well, have loads of people around him. And he didn't, he walked out of his dressing room with nobody, just nobody around. There's probably somebody watching from somewhere. Or there might have been somebody in his Winnebago, I don't know. Or Porter Cabin or whatever you call it. Don't know what to call them dressing rooms that are like the other porter cabins. They were big ones though, to be honest. And his was a lot bigger than mine. His was like a double one. But um, yeah, I couldn't believe it. So whoever organized that, whether it's Emily, Evis, or whoever, thank you so much for giving us the best day ever. Um, because obviously you don't know somebody's gonna pass, but it's just I, it's one of the people that I would have, you know, you wish I wish I could have sung with him. Yeah. So, I've seen him so many times. Oh man, a David Bowie Rowena duet like that. Um, one, oh you know, you know as well, because I was thinking if only I could have been myself and sort like I normally do. But I was, uh, 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 I couldn't speak, honestly. I'm I'm saying I said something to you. I mean, I, mean, I really couldn't. I was standing next to him and I was trembling. I've never been like that, ever. I, I just couldn't, I was not, not properly like that. And he was being just really nice and just talking normally. As I said, he would have just said, what time do you get here? And I just went, oh, uh, just, yeah. I just, because as well, the way he looked at you, you know, I, and I didn't think, oh, his eyes are like, they are stunning. But I just couldn't look him in the eyes at all. He's like, oh, you just know you're in the presence. I've done it before a little bit with Prince. We did that at Rock in Rio. But honestly, I got, I never got as close, obviously, as I did to David Bowie. And that was amazing. And yeah, so eclectic. That's what Hallelujah is eclectic. I never forget it. Never forget that day. It was just beautiful. Um, yeah. And because I used to lie because my birthday is January the 5th. And I used to pretend it was January the 8th because that's his birthday. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's my birthday, but yeah, it's still a Capricorn, but yeah, (laughs) but I didn't say to him, it's my birthday, we've got to share a birthday, but I nearly did. That's great. Oh, man. And again, as you said, you met Prince, it's, you know, losing the both of them within just a couple months of each other a few years ago, like it it was, it's, it's almost as if there's that funny I mean now it's not so funny but there's that meme that like when Bowie and Prince died everything just went to shit like right afterwards and it's it's kind of, you, you can't argue with it it's getting worse so it's getting- when are you going to write your book? When are you going to write your autobiography? Because with all your stories and everything and, and your stories of just perseverance, empowerment, and just the fun stuff too. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait to read it. But it is, I've started, I started a while ago, but I find it really difficult. But because of these, obviously um, I had a period with my ex-husband and he was very violent and I went into a women's aid refuge. So I decided to try and just avoid the actual violence and that part Mm. of it. And then it's easier to do, but I wasn't avoiding it before. I was trying to face up to it and write about it. So I was struggling. So now somebody did this fantastic piece in a a feature of me in The Gentlewoman. She's called Jude Rogers and she writes for The Observer. So I'm going to do it with her because she's helping me to handle those situations so that I don't have to talk about any I was thinking if you do a book you've got to tell everything, every everybody and everything, everything. But I don't need to go through every thing that happened to me and I don't need to go through my mum's relationship with my dad you know I don't have to hurt anybody although I might hurt a couple of people by accident you know it's because the truth can hurt if you know for some people but I don't want to hurt anybody um but I don't want to do a boring book and pretend things haven't happened that have 
as Rowetta, well. the word boring doesn't exist in your vocabulary. Even if you cut everything out, if you cut everything out and pretend nothing ever happened and I've got a lovely squeaky clean life, which isn't true. It's like, like I had a big fallout with Sean Ryder, but I'm in a band with him again now. We're working right. together, really happy. Do I bring all that up again and then cause all the problems? You know, so you have this, you know, so I've got, I'm going to do it with someone because I was just trying to just get it written on my own. I was going to Lake Garda actually to do all the writing. I did loads of writing in Lake Garda. I go to this place called Malchesney that I love and where I go on my own. And I went there specifically to write, but I decided I needed to stop going there to write because I, w- I wasn't getting anywhere. I was just crying while I was there. So it was like going um having like psych- psychotherapy without talking to anybody. So um, just like, yeah, it was like a therapy session, but just everything just written down um, in my um, MacBook. But I, I think I've done it now. I don't need to keep going over the same things and getting it and doing it that way. Just when I go to Malchester next time, I, I, I actually did it last time I went, I just did music and it was nicer than going and crying all the time. So, um, yeah, so it's, um, yeah, I, I just, I thought I needed to do it to get everything out and it'd be cathartic, but I don't need that in my life. I've done all, right. I think I've got enough out already. Um, I feel much better, much freer. I've got rid of everybody who's anything toxic in my life has gone. And that's what you have to do, obviously. And it's, um, I did it before lockdown. I did it way before. And, and I just got happy doing that. Um, so that's why I'm ready to do a book now, but I wasn't ready because I always said, if I did a book, it'd just be for money, but and I won't do it just for the money. And then lockdown, I thought, you know what though, we're going to have no work for a couple of years. I might need to do it, but it didn't do it then. So it's, it's definitely not, you know, it would have been then if I was going to do it for money. So I'm, I'm happy I managed to get through the lockdown, not do it for money. And I've had a lot of offers, I'll be honest. And, you know, I did, um, I did a show years ago, about 18 years ago, the X Factor, they wanted me to do mm-hmm. And I said, no, I'm not doing a book. And, you know, and I don't dwell on that time. I enjoyed it doing that, but I don't talk about it now because it's relevant. It's 17, 18 years ago. But yeah, if I was going to do a book or going to do any reality shows and stuff like that and make the most of that side, if that was in me, I would have done it then. But I like to just concentrate on the music and not tell people too much. But about my past, I am going to open up and do a book because um, also people really want me to so as well. But um yeah, I'm not in a rush to do it though. That's what I will. You do it at your own pace. It's your life. It no, literally, you know. It. If I'd ever rushed it, it would have been for money, and I don't want to do. No. I just don't want to do it for money. So, so that's the reason I've not brought one out already. I think I think Sean might have two or three books out now. Cookie <laughs> Trial. I I've just chosen not to because they would, you know, I know they would be more for money than not. But my book, I'm, you know, I might, I might do more than one though because I, I just said I think it's too much. Um, too much. I'm, I find it find it when I try and look at my life. It's too much, all of it. So I don't know how you how you do it. In um, I don't know. Somebody said it should be about either being a woman in the music industry, which isn't my life. My life is everything. It's not yeah. my life isn't just or being um, a battered wife. I don't really want to do a book about being a battered wife, but my life is everything. It's probably more like a Tina Turner story, that kind of thing. Um, because I'm still going at this age, you know, and yeah, and um, working with some. Proper, like the proper superstars, really. You people like Oliver Heldens and Salado, the massive. So, you know, and still doing it with Happy Mondays and doing like I'm doing Glastonbury at my age, you know, again for the fourth time. Or is it once? Yeah, fourth time. 
which is amazing. I know, you know, you know I mean, I was saying, I can't believe I'm doing it four times, twice with the Mondays, once with the end of classical, and I'm going to be doing it again. That was before lockdown, and then it got cancelled. Right. It's supposed to be the 50th anniversary. So we've just been, I just got a, um, a phone call two days ago. Are you available on June the 24th for Glastonbury? Well, yes, I am. So hopefully that'll happen. And then, and then I'll remember, it'll just remind me again of the day I met Bowie, which was just incredible. Now time for a coffee break. Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from modcup.com. Mod Cup, drink modern coffee. Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order. We got three more questions left, and this is my favorite part of the podcast. Yeah. Three questions I ask every guest. Um, I'm going to start it off right now. If you could bring back one retired player to your club, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Well, I think I've already said it's yeah. Eric alive or dead. George Best as well, of course, because Paddy Creran's somebody I really get along with. And I sang at his 80th birthday, and we actually went to, um, I think it was an aftershave launch with George Best's sister. Um, but all I've heard, and I know his son as well, Callum. So it's like all... All I've heard of George Best probably would like to bring him back because I was lucky enough to see Eric Cantona. I think it would have been different seeing George Best play, you know, because I met George Best at uh, the Q Magazine Awards when I was I was sat at the table with Sean, uh, but he was he was an older person. He was just drinking a lot and stuff. And we all were, to be fair, but um, it, it wasn't the George Best that everybody talks about. So that's probably what I'd really like to. Um, see, because Eric Cantona is cheating, I suppose. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it was you, you defied my expectations. I did not expect that answer. I really didn't. I was like, oh, I know, I know who it's going to be at this well, point. Eric Cantona is cheating in a way because everyone knows he's my favorite player. Right. I've seen him, but if you could bring anybody back, that would probably be George Best. That's what I'm saying because yeah, I never got to see him play at Old Trafford, and that's what was the special bit. I think see him on the television is one thing, and people say, oh, it's like Ryan Giggs. But seeing, and it was a different, the ball was heavier, the play was heavier. The, you know, the footballers back then as well, they were tougher, a lot tougher than the, some of the wimpy things we've got now. Okay, uh, like, off. <laughs> <laughs> if United could sign one player today, who would it be and why? This is hard for me because I don't watch City ever. Um, <laughs> I don't even know the name of his, is he called Sterling? <laughs> oh, Raheem Sterling. I think he's a good player in it because I've seen him with England. I don't, I just, because like people would say Aguero back there, but I, don't, I never watched Aguero and that's the truth. I don't, wow. watch, I don't watch other, other teams play and I only, and I don't watch many derbies. I don't watch, I don't like watching City and I never have done. When we were brilliant as well, I've never, I never used to go to the derby games. Um, I used to always think we'd lose when we were the best team in the world. But um, um, mm, it's, it's so easy to say, Messy. It's just easy to say people like that. Um, but I've seen, I've seen Sterling. I think is a great player. Yeah. So yeah, I'll say him. Fantastic. I don't like saying it, but there you go. <laughs> Seems nice lad as well. He gets on with our players. So yeah. All right. Um, what has been your favorite moment as a fan? Oh, oh there's too many. Um, probably the first time. We, well. The first time I won the Champions League was very special. It's every time, but um, I don't know. There was, there was. I think it was, it was a semi-final. I think when we were in, playing Hereford, and we didn't go on stage until United won, and it was like the last few couple of in the last minutes. Um, 
Bayern Munich. So yeah, but there's, honestly, there's loads. Oh. Um, so many, so many. But um, and United have given us that minute. So, yeah, I can't. I can never do a favorite minute. Um, I was at Wembley when we. It was the FA Cup. That was great. I'm never bothered about the FA Cup though. The same way. <laughs> but um, yeah, but because we played Wembley not long before, I think we played Wembley Arena, and then we they we went. They were playing at the stadium, um, beating Crystal Palace. But um, I think we drew three all, and then yeah. So I was. I remember being at the three all one. Yeah, no, no, no best moments. As I said, though, being on stage singing with these legends, that was an amazing moment. That was surreal. Um, you know, and partying with Brian Robson and his wife and his daughter, Claire, who I love very much, trying to get Claire to have my grandkids is, um, <laughs> imagine that baby, how it'd be able to play football and sing, girl or boy. And uh, so, and I told Brian, I said, oh, because we've, we've just at the Northwest Football play, <laughs> Players player awards um and he got presented with a lifetime achievement i think it was brian robson and i said oh it's kind of not here because i wanted to have my grandchildren he said beg your pardon i said no you know i told you about a son well i would love and she's not not against the idea she's not met him but she was never against the idea and he went she's just had a baby girl i went no it's ruined ruined my uh, all my hopes so hopefully she's still you know she might have another few years left in it to give me that grandchild i want because um, can you imagine football playing little singing gorgeous thing from Manchester, even though he's from Middlesbrough, but he lives in Manchester. So, yeah. Oh, wonderful. I can't think of a better way to end it. Loretta, thank you so much. This has been so much fun and so great. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Are you in Manchester? Yes, absolutely. Or New York. <laughs> yeah, or New York, or New York. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.